This podcast is part of the How We Are Network. For information on this episode and many other like-minded shows, visit howweare.org. That's H-O-W-W-E-A-R-E dot O-R-G. And welcome to another episode of 100 Words or Less, the podcast. I'm your host, Ray Harkins. This episode is exclusively brought to you by Top Shelf Records. And for those of you not in the know, I will make you in the know. It's a great label from the Boston area run by Seth and Kevin, two great dudes, put out a ton of awesome stuff, including the guest this week, Pianos Become the Teeth. They put out uh, all of their previous stuff, a really, really great label. I'm excited that they wanted to come on and sponsor this show. And I specifically wanted to talk to you about an artist of theirs called You Blew It. I picked up their last LP. It was awesome. It was just one of those things where you listen to it. You just heard the fun. They seem to have fun playing music together. They seem to have fun recording it. And even though that sounds like such a simple thing, it makes all of the difference when you are actually listening to it as a consumer. They have a new record coming out next year called Keep Doing What You're Doing. The track I'm going to play you is called Award of the Year Award, which is perfect for this time of the year. So let's listen to a little bit of that, then I'll tell you a little bit more. So yeah, that was that track. Pretty fucking rad, right? I think you should pre-order it because you can do so immediately at TopShelfRecords.com. They've also relaunched their website and it features a bunch of new stuff. If you're like already familiar with Top Shelf and you're like, yo, I get it. I visited the website like once every few months. For those of you that are interested in vinyl, they've got their discography section up now because they have all of the pressings and all of the nerd stuff that you care about. You blew it. I have a feeling this record is going to make the rounds, as they say. Even though it's coming out in January, I think by the end of 2014, a lot of people will start to be like, dude, that record, really, really good, and this should probably be in my year-end list. So maybe I'm just thinking that because that's kind of as far as my own year-end list. And the band is on tour with the Front Bottoms from January 9th until February 1st of 2014. So the band is You Blew It. The record is called Keep Doing What You're Doing. It's out January 14th, but... You can pre-order it now. All the vinyl packages and everything else you want is at TopShelfRecords.com. Support them. Awesome people. It's cold here in Southern California. And by cold, I mean like low 50s, which for the rest of you is like, yo, that's warm in the winter. I've got like 
seven feet of snow around me. I have to dig my car out. I can't even leave the house. But uh, I can leave the house. It's just a little cold. You know, I got to put in a sweatshirt. <laughs> I just always love people complaining about weather out here because we don't have seasons, really. Oh, we vary between, you know, 55 degrees and 75 degrees. And when it like goes above or below that, then that's when we're like, oh, dude, this is some serious shit right now. <laughs> but anyways, the guest this week is Mr. Kyle Durfee. Again, I never asked the guests how to pronounce their last name, but Kyle is the lead vocalist for a band called Pianos Become the Teeth, which is, I mean, I'm going to go ahead and say it, one of my favorite bands to exist right now. I identify with them on so many different levels, and Kyle and I had never met up until like earlier this year, um, and then I just was able to kind of gush about him and his band, and then he turned around and said, hey, I really, really like the podcast you do. And it was like, oh, wow, it's pretty cool when that stuff kind of comes full circle. So anyways, more on him in a minute. Let's talk about propertyofzack.com. Visit that site. They're doing a lot of year-end wrap-up content stuff. So uh, dive in there. You'll be able to find all of the best stuff that happened in 2013 especially from a musical perspective. So visit that site and become educated. Also, this is the last time I'm going to bug you. We're doing a uh, survey. I work with an advertising agency called The Midroll, and uh, we got to get information about those of you who are listening. I would really appreciate if you dove onto this website, themidroll.com backslash survey backslash words. I know it's kind of a pain in the butt to type, but uh, yeah, if you hop onto any of the hundred words podcast social networks, you'll 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 get that link and you can contribute in that fashion. Because yeah, we just need to know who we're talking to. That's basically it. Because I have no idea. I have some sense of it. It's uh, you know males and females. It's people with ears. That's basically all I know. And uh, for those of you that have been following the show religiously, you also know that uh, the schedule on the release dates have changed. I used to do new shows on Tuesdays, but now I do Wednesdays. And I promise that is the last public service announcement for that. So new episodes are on Wednesdays. And uh, visit the website, 100wordspodcast.com. Over the course of pretty much the last half of December, I'm going to be posting a bunch of fun stuff from previous guests. They are kind enough to give some time and give some thoughts in regards to their own personal years, whether it's like the top five records of the year, top five things they did that year, whatever. I'm just trying to get it to be, you know, original. Cause I mean, everybody gets lists and that everyone loves lists. And so I'm obviously doing that as well. Um, I did it last year and it was awesome because I got a lot of feedback from it when I just did it out of a, a lark. So pay attention to the site. You will become educated. One thing I wanted to speak about before we, uh, before I talked about Kyle a little bit more. So I was listening to a recent interview with uh, Marilyn Manson, which is, um, I know, random, but uh, he was on a podcast I listened to. Because basically, for those of you that don't know, I mean, I just, I listen to so many damn podcasts. And um, that's basically all I listen to. Unless I'm sitting at my desk working, which I'm usually listening to vinyl at that point. There are very rare instances where I'm listening to music in the car, unless someone else is in the car with me. Because I'm not going to punish them to my weird podcast tastes. He said something that really, really resonated with me and something that I wanted to share with you. Because of the society that we live in currently, it's difficult to have contexts for things. I feel like this is something I'm trying to obviously accomplish with this show as well. Build you a picture of who this person is and obviously the sort of creative energy that they are putting forth and where it comes from. Because ultimately, that will not only endear you to the person more, but 
give you a sense of who they are and why they do what they do. Because you don't get any sense of context when you're just obviously popping onto a Facebook page, when you're popping onto a Wikipedia page. Like, you can be very learned about a certain subject in regards to reading about it. But if you're not using that in relation to other things that happened during that time, i.e. providing a context, it's really difficult. Abbott and Costello, I would venture a guess that people 30 years and younger, 30 years old and younger, have no idea who Abbott and Costello are. They maybe know the name, but they've never watched anything. They've never heard who's on first. And it's like these things, I mean, granted, this is obviously close to 100 years ago that those things existed. But again, it's not provided in any sort of context. A person could read through the entire Wikipedia entry on Lou Abbott and Costello and not be able to understand how big comedians they were at the time. I don't know. It just got me thinking and like, ultimately, that's another reason why I do this show, just to provide and build a sort of narrative and a context for how all of these things kind of interplay with one another. Independent music is such an important part of my life, and I know probably just as important as it is to you, you want to have something to document it. Not to say that these digital files will live forever, because in 20 years, something will have probably moved along, and then I'll be like, oh, wow, remember all those hours and hours of time I spent on this? It's like, yeah, yeah, I do. And it was worth it for that period of time where this medium is important. I think it needs to be documented. So it just got me thinking and I wanted to share with you. It's like, I always love to have that sort of direct feedback from you guys when I say something and it resonates with you from that perspective. Let's talk about Kyle. Pianos Become the Teeth is a great band from the Maryland area. I became privy to them, I'd say their first EP that came out on Top Shelf Records. To say that it affected me is an understatement. It really, really stuck with me in ways that new records just don't have a tendency to do. And so for the rest of that year, I just kept revisiting that record. It just, it it spoke to me. And then I saw them a few times and I don't know, it just really cemented that band within my own musical likes and loves. And I just felt like they were doing so many things that really appealed to me. I'd wanted to have Kyle on the show for a long time. We finally were able to connect over the phone. I originally wanted to do this in person, but uh, I knew that he wasn't going to be in my area or vice versa for quite some time. Here's what transpired. Kyle's a great dude, and I will let the interview do the talking. I mean, it was, it was with your first, well, old pride. I wish I could remember who introduced me to it, but basically it was one of those things where, because all music is obviously cyclical and like, like, you know, whatever bands like daylight now where it's like, Oh, Hey, like that kind of sounds like Nirvana. And that happened in the early nineties and old pride was given to me in, in, in context of like this kind of sounds like what taken was doing back in, you know, like late nineties, you know, like right, yeah, that, yeah. not saying it in a derogatory sense, but like, Hey, no, no, no. But hey, well, I like your band, so I'm not a fan. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. I'm, and nothing makes me more happy. I just immediately fell in love with it, not only just because, you know, stylistically, like both of our bands could have played together if we existed at the same time, but for, for the, sure. But just the, the idea of like actually, you know, being, for lack of a better term, like, you know, honest and emotive without being cheesy. Because there's that. Mm-hmm. 
there's that whole line that I think, especially within that genre, that particular genre of music where it's like, you know, hey, you're melodic and yet you're heavy, yet you also share your feelings about things. <laughs> right. There, there's a tendency of being like, you know, overly emotional and like overly, you know, dramatic just because they feel like they have to express themselves that way, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, I didn't get the sense of that with you guys at all. <laughs> yeah. And it, I mean, I'm sure like the, the intention of obviously when you guys started to put together the band, that old pride, like you guys sounded pretty fully fleshed out at that time, as far as like what you wanted to do creatively as a band. Like, did you feel that was a proper representation of what you guys were you know trying to accomplish with that first release well that was really the first thing that well the first music we wrote with the the lineup that we have now because before we wrote we put out ep called saltwater and that was like except for me and mike the guitarist that was a completely different lineup right um had, had like different guitarist bassist drummer and then we also had a synth player at the time um so we wrote that ep and then we were trying to tour more and actually like do something with the band and everybody was like pretty much like totally cool with it. And they're like, okay, cool. Yeah, go do it. You know, like, find replacements, whatever. So we found replacements and then we like, we had all those people learn the old songs. And then, um, after that, we were just like, all right, well, yeah, we should, I guess we should just write a record. You know, that's what you do. <laughs> so that was really just our first time writing music with one another. That wasn't like stuff that was already written. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it really was, for lack of a better word, just like a very honest record. It's just like, hey, let's just try to write a solid record that we would want to listen to. We were still kind of working on how to write with one another in a way because everyone had such different tastes at the time. Mm-hmm. So it like, we didn't really have a goal. We were just trying to write cool songs for yeah. that record, you know? And like, I, I think looking back on it, we're all still really happy with what it was just because it was kind of our first like go at it kind of yeah together i mean i'm sure you look back at like the you know older material like the saltwater ep and you're just you know it's kind of cringeworthy um where you're like oh uh, yeah you're like, sure. <laughs> not, you're like not a fan of that you know the the current incarnation of what you're doing that you can look back on you know the first output and be like hey that doesn't suck like that's not bad <laughs> yeah yeah you know it's like we're stoked <laughs> yeah because you live in baltimore currently correct right uh, so born and raised there? Uh, no. Well, my both my mom and my dad are from um, upstate New York. My mom was from Springville, and my dad uh, was from Elmira. But then my dad was in the Army, so we moved around a little bit. Like, I lived in Texas when I was younger. Um, I, lived, I was born in Virginia, actually, and we lived up in upstate New York for a while. But then we got in a... Heavy immediately, but we, yeah, yeah. we we got in a car accident that was pretty substantial when I was like four. Oh wow! I I was okay. Well, I had to get surgery, but I was okay. But my dad pretty much crushed like every. He just like destroyed his legs in the car accident, pretty much. Uh-huh. So um, a lot of surgeries, a lot of stuff like that. But obviously, he couldn't really be in the army anymore. He got a good job being an imagery analyst for the government. Oh, okay. So we ended up moving. He got a job in D.C. So I lived in Crofton, which is like 40 minutes south of Baltimore. Mm-hmm. I've lived there since I was like seven. Okay. And then seven, seven until like 22 when I moved to Baltimore. Okay. So I'm pretty much like a Maryland guy. You know, I moved around when I was younger, but I my life, as I remember it, pretty much is in Maryland. You were an army brat, essentially. What? Uh... Yeah, for sure. What did your What did your dad do for the army? Um, he he was an infantry analyst. I don't know all the ins and outs yeah, of it, yeah. but I guess he he worked in Desert Storm, um, like detecting tanks and stuff like that. Like a lot of stuff, he couldn't even really say. What I mean, he was like 
spy or anything, but he couldn't really say like yeah. what he was doing because he was like helping detect of course dangerous things, you know, like missiles maybe or tanks or like enemy vehicles, stuff like that. So he was pretty he's pretty up there in the ranks doing like really important stuff at the time. That's crazy. Yeah, he yeah, I, yeah. I, I could totally see that being like, you know, he he comes home and obviously is like, Well, I, I can't discuss anything of what I did today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had a good day at work and that's it. Yeah. yeah. Was your mom basically at home with you? Pretty much was a stay-at-home mom for a while. She used to be a nurse. Mm -hmm. And then when, like, she went to nursing school when she was younger, she was a nurse for a while. But then uh, when we were born, my sister and I, um, she stayed home. But then later, we were a little bit older. She started working at a daycare center, like, right next to our house, just because she always loved working with kids and stuff like that. And it wasn't even really a job for her. It was just kind of like, hey, I love doing this, you know? Yeah. And is your sister younger or older than you? She is older by four years. I'm 29, so that'll make her 33 now. Yeah. So, I don't know. I can't. I can't yeah. Oh, no, no, yeah. You, you, as long as you're within a year or two, you're fine. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> like, once we were growing, my mom was working at the daycare center. And then once my dad got diagnosed with MS, she pretty much stopped working and was, like, his primary caretaker. So yeah, that's yeah. how that went. And so, like you said, your formative years were basically, you know, all your memories exist within the, you know, Baltimore area. Yeah, for sure. And, and your your mom wasn't overly affected with that horrible accident that you were in? Like, a, you can't even see it anymore, but she, like, hit her head in the accident, had a, like, big scar above her eyebrow, but that was it. And then I was in the back seat. We had just put seatbelts in the car, which is nuts, but the seatbelt hit me so hard that I was bleeding internally. Oh, so wow. they, they, yeah, they had to go in and do surgery on that. But then after that, I was, I was fine, you know, but mm -hmm. yeah, my dad was the one who like pretty much got destroyed in that wreck. That's crazy. So like, was the accident your guys or, you know, your car's fault or did you just get broadsided? No. Yeah. It was the other car's fault. We were, it was actually really lucky because we were driving right past, uh, the military base. And I guess that we were going straight and this car was turning, coming the opposite way, turning left into the military base, I guess, and just, like, tried to beat us, and we just, like, I think we just slammed right into them. That's crazy. Yeah. I, I presume you don't remember that at all. I, I don't. Which is it, good. It, which it, is it, good. It's, it's, like, for sure, like, it's, it's such a serious thing in my family's history, but, like, I, I know, like, specific pieces about it, but I don't really know everything about it, which is kind of strange now I think about it, but really, I, maybe it's for the best. Well, yeah, know. you're, I mean, yeah, you're so young, you you know what you're told. That's all you remember. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and plus, like, they're not going to give me all, like, the gory details when I'm four. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, Kyle, here we go. This this horrific thing happened. We have to tell you blow <laughs> by blow. You know, like, your, your upbringing, would you, uh, you know, did you guys have kind of a pretty, you know, idyllic, you know, sort of brother and sister sort of, uh, family uh situation where it was like okay this felt uh you know comfortable and like there wasn't a lot of strife internally within the family like how was your vision of that yeah we had a i mean everybody has like every family has their own issues and stuff like that but overall yeah we were a pretty happy family i feel extremely lucky with like the way i was brought up everybody got along so overall i would say i had a very happy childhood you know yeah. not like overly amazing but also just like compared to anybody else's i guess you know just Pretty normal, pretty happy. So yeah. No, that's, that's it. <laughs> and it's, it's funny because I feel like anytime anybody has that experience, in, in certain ways you feel you feel weirdly apologetic about it because, <laughs> I mean, obviously, I, you know, I'm sure you have friends that have had shitty 
childhoods and that like could care less about their parents you feel like anytime you're like oh no like I, I, it was pretty good like it's that it's that weird like i'm sorry you experienced that <laughs> yeah yeah it's like i feel i feel so bad for you but no i, I love my parents <laughs> you know, yeah. I, like I, I i had a good time i don't know i yeah they're just great parents i think they like i mean i i messed up when i was younger like every kid you know every now and then but they're just like i feel like they did a pretty good job so yeah. i i have no no beef with my parents so yeah which is awesome so, and so like once you started to you know dive into you know high school and all that sort of stuff was that was that kind of when music started to become more a part of your life or had your parents raised you with it at all not really like my parents were into music but i mean they instilled like billy joel in me like stuff like that all that all that kind of stuff i love and like journey and fleetwood mac and stuff like that you know like i'll always love but as far as like really being really really into music I think that was, a lot of it had to do with my sister. She was into like hip hop and a bunch of different stuff, but like always open to everything, you mm-hmm. know, which is really, I think really important to me. Like she was like, no matter what you're into, just like, just be into it kind of, you know? So she introduced me to a lot of bands that looking back, I think are just awful. But like now it's like, I can see at least she was opening my eyes to new things. And then I guess when I was about 15 or 16, I really started getting into like indie, for lack of a better word, bands, mm-hmm. like underground punk bands. Like I actually had a friend, Greg, too, his older brother was really into hardcore at the time. Like he introduced me to bands like Snapcase and Shelter and Grade and sure. like all the stuff, all the stuff that just like blew my mind when I heard it and like filled my love for it and like Planes Mistaken for Stars, stuff like that. So as soon as I started getting into that stuff, I was just hooked immediately, you know, Yeah. and then ever since. <laughs> In high school, did you, did you care about school? Did you have a good experience or was it one of those things you were just like, yo, let's keep my head down and get out of this thing? Right. No, I I actually had a good time in high school. I know that's not like a very cool thing, you know, yeah. it's like, ah, oh, fuck high school, you know, but it's like, nah, I, I mean, like, I didn't love high school, but I had like, I had a good amount of friends, you know, I got along with everybody. I, I feel like, I mean, this may, I don't know, I really had a lot of enemies, you know, I, I feel like in general, I try to get along with pretty much everybody. And if I have a problem with you, it's just like, all right, I'll just steer clear, whatever. But like, I don't really remember this time where I was ever like, having beef with anybody or just like even with like the actual schoolwork itself like I didn't I wasn't like a straight A kid but I was like probably like a B B student you know so it was just like I don't like sit back and like reflect on high school like man those are the greatest years of my life but I also like I don't have any full spite towards high school or anything I, I don't know I still keep in touch with a good amount of people from high school. So I don't know. Yeah. Overall, it was, it was fine for me. <laughs> yeah. No, which is, which is cool. I mean, that I had a very similar experience as well. And I think, uh, I mean, I think you and I are similar in that where it was like, I enjoyed school and I invested some time into it, but I definitely, you know, once, once music obviously came into play, it was like, Oh, like that's all that I really kind of care about. Like, you know, right, yeah. sc- schools, whatever. But I definitely found myself being sort of like, Oh, that weird kid that's into like weird music, but he's cool. Like he's funny. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I had like a lot of friends who were just like, Sports guy, and like I, I, I like sports too. You know, I didn't really play in high school, but like I was, I was always cool with it. You know, and I, it, I didn't start playing bands till after high school, but like I was always the guy who's like, oh yeah, like Kyle, he likes, he likes hardcore and just like crazy music. That's cool. He, you know, he's straight edge, whatever. I don't, <laughs> so everyone like it wasn't like I, I never got made fun of it. All my friends just thought I was like they went into it, but they thought it was cool that I was. You know, right, right. Which I, I just I. I think that's such an important experience because it's like, not only does it obviously help you like grow as a person because you're not being like condemned for any one. Yeah. yeah. But then it, it widens the people's experiences around you, you know, cause they're just like, you know, 
very rarely are you going to come across like you know after they've like left high school and whatever like you know when you're like 35 years old there are very rare instances where you're going to run into like a you know a straight edge kid like you know he's he's exed up ready to go to the show or something like that it's like right so because you had that there's like oh that experience of like i i see where it adds to a more holistic experience for people that you know have, would never have experienced a person like you it's awesome that's a cool thing too it's like i'm not straight edge anymore at the time like i didn't when i was in high school i didn't really claim edge anyways i was just kind of like i mean i like i considered myself straight edge but i didn't preach about it I yeah. don't know. you were um, you weren't you weren't repping it you weren't uh buying every varsity letter jacket possible and, yeah. <laughs> right. yeah i was just like hey i don't want to drink and all my friends were cool with that too so i feel like i, I feel pretty lucky with like my friend or support group in high school because like I really was into, like, my own thing. I mean, I had a couple of friends who were into the same things, too. But overall, like, everyone just kind of was into whatever, and everyone was cool with it. So, yeah, but it was cool to, like, not drink and do anything and then have people be cool with it, you know? And they're like, oh, that's cool. If you don't want to do that, fine. More for me, in a way, you know? Yeah, no, I, it's yeah, it just makes it, like you said, it, it makes you have the experience where you can look back on it and be like, oh, those, you know, those aren't, like, the golden years of my life, and I've never, like, that was it. Those four years were the best time of my <laughs> life. But you can look <laughs> You could you could build off that and be like, oh, that was a good experience. Yeah, uh, yeah, totally. Um, and so, did you like once you started? Obviously, like go to shows, and that became an important part of your life. Did you immediately be like, oh God, I can't wait to sing for a band? Like, how <laughs> was that your vision, or was it just like, yeah. was it by default? Well, yeah, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. I think like going to shows, I kind of knew that I was I was always just really into bands and music, and just overall, I just thought it was like the coolest thing, you know, and certain bands were into such different things and like preaching certain things. I just thought that was cool. And then like I go to shows at the auto bar in Baltimore all the time. Um, and I, I really thought like at one point I was just like, man, I, I really should just start a band. Cause I couldn't, I could play guitar a little bit, but not really well enough to be in a band. Like I, I suck at guitar. I'm not good. Um, but, but, the, but I that, was, like, that yeah. was, that was your first, like you wanted you, you, the guitar was the first thing that you kind of went for. Yeah. Yeah. When okay. I was like, when I was still in high school, I like, I got I got a guitar for Christmas and then I took some lessons so I can like I can play basic chords and stuff like that but I'm just I'm just a shitty guitarist. But, right. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> like it really started because I, I went to a community college near my near one of the closest ones in my house um, and a rural community college and I met a bunch of people there who were in the bands and like I had been with people from going to shows and the first band I was in started because. Um, this dude, Brian, I knew, who was the old drummer of pianos, actually, too. Um, mm-hmm. His girlfriend said that he was looking for a singer for a band. I was like, well, I'm never singing for a band, but shit, I'll, I'll try it. You know, why not? So I ended up hooking up with Brian. I just went in. It wasn't even really a tryout. I just kind of like, they were just jamming, and they just kind of gave me a mic. And I was like, all right, here we go. And just started screaming. I guess it worked. So. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> so, By default. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like... I really, I had absolutely no idea what I was doing at the time, but I guess they, they, they seem to think it was all right, and I thought it was okay. Also, so I thought it's kind of funny because you you strike me not using this in a in a negative light, but you strike me as like mm-hmm. a, you know a private or more quiet person, um, in the sense that you know you're not like this you know crazy loud loud boisterous guy. You know, it's <laughs> like you're, you're not you're not going on stage and like you know throwing a bunch of jokes in between your songs or anything right so it, it's funny that that they were like oh like yeah kyle like he would make sense to just like yell for a band right well yeah <laughs> yeah that's, that's funny i think 
I don't know what their, like, what their idea, because Brian, the drummer, was really the only guy I knew at the time, and they pretty much had a full band fleshed out, and they were just looking for a singer. I'm like, yeah, I'll do it. So I think when I came in, like, none of them knew me, and I'm pretty, I'm not a really timid guy, but I got, yeah, I'm not the most outgoing dude in certain situations, especially that, where I'm, like, nervous as hell, I was going to sing for the first time, but I think I just kind of went in there and made myself do it, and just did it, and I, I mean, like, I'm, I feel like I'm a nice enough guy where I can, like, make friends, too. So if you was not hanging out with those guys, it was great. You're like, yeah, cool, yeah, I feel comfortable with you now. But, yeah, that's a good point. I never really thought about it that way. I, I think that's an important distinction. It's like you, you're not you're not standoffish because, obviously, you like you said, you can make friends with people. But, yeah, you're not that, you know, you're not the guy in your classroom that's just like, hey, pay attention to me for 20 minutes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> right. to make everybody laugh. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it depends on, like, how comfortable I feel or, like, the certain situation when I'm in, if I'm around friends or not. Because, yeah, I mean, I feel like everyone's like that in a way. But, yeah, overall, I, I also have not so much stage fight anymore just because I've been playing shows forever, so that was really bothered me. But, like, yeah, I just don't really... I don't really like being in front of people like yeah. that in a way. So, and also when I start talking, I feel like I just make an ass of myself. So play and then be gone. Unless I, I want someone like speaking to me that night and I feel like I really need to get off my chest, which has happened before. But overall, it's just like, yeah, I'm just going to play and then get off because I feel like an idiot. <laughs> yeah. I can't remember the first time that I saw you guys, but you can always tell, or at least I personally can, like when I look at a band play and I'm like, okay, the focal point of a band is obviously usually the singer because everyone is paying attention to what's happening with him or her. Yeah. But uh, when I first saw you guys play, I definitely saw exactly what you're talking about. Like you were, you were at home when the song was playing, but then in between mm-hmm. songs, you're just kind of like, "Well, let's get to the next song, guys. Let's go." <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I like, and not in a bad way. Like I was saying, where it's like, no, oh, no, no. <laughs> "Oh, Kyle looks super fucking uncomfortable." <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, no, I know what you mean. It, it is true. Like I, when the song's playing, I feel as, as cheesy as it is. Like I'm in my element. You know, we wrote these songs together. It's like we're there for a reason to play this song. You know, and that's how. That's I think that's how we all feel. Like when we're playing, it's like we feel right and comfortable and normal. But then like in between songs, I mean, at least personally for me, yeah, it's like we tune. I'm just like, I don't really have anything I want to say. <laughs> so I'm just going to kind of stand here and not try to look like an idiot. So yeah, I think over the year, over the past couple of years being on like bigger tours and stuff, I've, I've tried to be a little bit better with that, but overall, yeah, I just, I just want to play, play and get off. I do inherently think it's something you could, like you said, you can learn and adapt as you do it more, like, like in anything mm-hmm. in life. But I definitely think that there's something inherent with getting up there and being able to like be in front of people and do it. I mean, it's like, you know, you, you can survey a hundred people on the street and you'd be like, like, how about I put you in front of a hundred people and like, you know, kind of just do your thing. 99 people would say like, Oh fuck. No, that's terrible. Right. So it's not a, it's not a normal thing, but it's like certain people are more predisposed to that just of, you know, various circumstances. So it's like it, what you're feeling is normal, but it, it's definitely, um, you know, funny that you have to be the focal point. You're just like, well, I got that. <laughs> I guess I'll do this. Right, yeah. So, I mean, I, yeah, like I said, over, over the past couple of years, I feel like I was definitely, I don't know if it's I stopped caring so much about being in front of people, like what people think. It's like, well, I mean, I'm going to be here, up here, whether or not you like it or not. So if you like it, awesome. I really hope you do. But if not, it's like, I'm still up here playing. So I think my mindset a little bit has changed playing bigger shows and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, cause I'm, I'm always I'm always nervous before every show, but now it's just kind of, it's a different kind of nervous Mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it's hard to explain. You, you know. I, yeah. <laughs> I know. No, no, I, I, I totally empathize with what you're saying. I definitely, yeah, it was one of those things like I never, I mean, 
me being an only child, like for whatever reason, it's always been easy for me. Like I never had, I mean, I, obviously most people, when they first start playing at bands that are fucking atrocious as a singer, it's like, you know, I, I have, <laughs> you have no quote unquote stage presence, but then, you know, tour, like once we started, once taken started to tour and be more of a thing, it definitely felt, mm-hmm. I never had any problem with that. But in talking to people like you and, you know, many of my other friends, I totally like getting where you're coming from. I'm like, oh yeah, like. I understand why it's not easy. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's weird. Don't get me wrong. I love singing for a band. I, I love singing in general. I, I love it. You yeah. know, I love being up there playing songs with my friends. Right. right. It's definitely, and just because you love it doesn't mean it doesn't make you any less stressed about it. Also. Yeah. Let me ask you this on the flip side of it. So do you prefer recording over performing live? Oh, no. No yeah. way. Good. I hate, I hate recording. <laughs> it is. It's the I, worst. Like my bandmates, make fun of me all the time because I just stress myself out so much and it's like from an outsider's perspective people I, I just get in there and just wail you know who cares it's like but there's so much more to it and now like specifically trying to sing like actually sing sing more and like hit a certain note you, you just have like all these like things in your head that you're trying to do and you if you're just having a bad day or you're like feeling emotional well, not feeling emotional because you're feeling emotional either way but like if you're stressed out about something or like you're getting frustrated with your own body because you can't hit a certain note it's like the most frustrating thing and and i hate it yeah. <laughs> like for the guitar i mean that's not any easier like recording any instrument i can't even imagine doing that ever you kind of you get a tone you know you know what you're going to play and you just you play it till it's right with with your voice it's like it's kind of the same thing but it's like if you can't hit that note you just you just can't hit it right it, i think it's it's so at least for me it's just so frustrating when you have a when i have a certain idea in mind i can't do it mm. like that day at least you know it's yeah, I, overall, I just I hate recording. It stresses me out so much. I, I I completely agree and empathize with you. Is if you if you had a list of a hundred things that you know comp, <laughs> you know comprise a band, like the activities that involve being in a band, you know, mm-hmm. rec- recording for me was always like ninety ninth. Like I, I'm sure you've experienced this as well. The the experience of okay, you know, especially obviously like you know screaming. Like so, you're in the vocal booth. You're fucking yelling your head off. You're you know you're sweating. You're spitting all over your lyric sheet. Like it's it's a <laughs> it's a total mess in there. And then, you know, everybody's in the in the control room, like, you know, usually like on their computers or phones or whatever the fuck they're doing. Yeah. And then you come in because it sounds like absolute shit through the headphones. You're just like, I'm ruining. Oh, this, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm ruining this record. I'm ruining this right. record. Yeah, dude. And, and that's exactly what you think the entire time. It's like, well, this perfect masterpiece is about to just get destroyed. <laughs> totally. <laughs> and then by uh, so you're beating yourself up and then you walk into the control room and you 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 want you want this like overwhelming validation from like either your bandmates or like the the dude who's who's tracking you you want like you know like good job or or some sense of emotion but usually you walk into the room and it's like fucking just dead air nothing yeah Yeah, dude it's it's the worst like it's it's two things you walk in there and you do a take and and then like the whoever's recording would be like so how do you feel about that it's like i don't know i feel pretty good and then i don't know what do you guys think and then they're like yeah it sounds cool yeah it's like all right well you said everything sounds cool for the past two hours so it's like Tell me if you hate it, or like either that, or they just won't say anything. You know, <laughs> it's like just like uh, well, I'm just gonna assume if you don't say anything, you're cool with it, and just just gonna let me. Because I know like my own bandmates, they trust me to do what I'm gonna do, and hopefully not fuck it up too too badly. You right. know, but it, it it's the worst. And also with me, when I'm recording, I'll say a line or like I'll do something, and then like stop the take. Like the the recording, the engineer will like 
hit the button where you can hear what's going on in that room or whatever, and I can just hear the dudes like changing my words to make it some stupid yes, ass. Yes. Which is like it's like hilarious in hindsight. Like when it's looking back on it now, it's always so funny. But then when it, when it's happening, you're like trying to be so serious and like pull your guts out recording. And then like two seconds later, somebody's just immediately making fun of some serious thing you just wrote and making it into a joke. It's like hilarious, but the most frustrating thing in the world too. And like my band and I always joke about it. You hit on such an important point of that. You know, the, the other experience when you walk into the control room, like you said, after pouring your guts out and then being like. You know, your, your guitarist being like, hey, did you say uh, you just stuffed a cord cob up your ass? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, that's exactly what it is. It's just, yeah. I mean, it's hilarious, and I would probably do the exact same thing if, if I was in their position, <laughs> but it, it's just, yeah. uh, it's the worst. Like, I just, like, I want to kill people when we're actually doing it. Yeah, for the band that you obviously, like, started to sing for, um, you know, did that, did that have a name? Was that, like, your first, like, band that you actually, like, played shows with and stuff like that? That was that was my first band experience. Um, we were called Cartel Cartel Lover, <laughs> which um, okay. Our guitar, yeah, yeah, I know. All no, the that's, bands that I'm in. That's not a bad. That's, that's not a terrible band name. Like I've heard worse. Well, okay, <laughs> I'm not saying much, but yeah, it was like our guitarist thought of it, but it it, it just stuck. But it was like we kind of wanted to sound like Hot Cross meets like You and Not You, or and like Me Without You, maybe I don't okay. know. But okay. it didn't sound, it didn't sound like any of those bands. Like I, I had, I loved Hot Cross. They're one of my favorite bands. Um, so I think vocally, I just, I just kind of wanted to sound like that, you know. Uh-huh. I didn't really have an experience singing, so I was like, I'll try to go for this. But yeah, it didn't sound like any of those bands. It just sounded more like spazzy. Yeah, I know what it's not. It was like dancey, spazzy, out of tune guitars. Like, I, like I have a soft spot for it because it's my first band, but it was just. It, it just wasn't good. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think most people's first bands should be terrible. Right. Should be terrible. When it, you know, in doing these podcasts, I've definitely, you know, like using a random example, I, I talked to Davey Havoc from AFI. AFI is his first fucking band. And I'm like, God damn it. Like, must, must be nice. Seriously. <laughs> Yeah, to have it be like you know, not not even from like a career or famed perspective, but to be like your first band still exists and you can still you know like be proud of a, a majority of your output. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's insane to me. I know, I know. Everyone has to eat shit being terrible bands. Like that's just part of right. It. Yeah, part of it. And so then you that's, uh, how you. that's how you learn like what you're good at and what you're not. Yeah. You know? <laughs> no, I totally agree. And then, and then, you know, you can argue that it's like, yeah, you look at the first, you know, three or four AFI records and they're so all distinctly different that it's, you know, you're like, oh, okay, those are, those are technically your first bands. Like they're, they're just right. under the name AFI. <laughs> yeah, uh, for sure. And so then, uh, you know, in, in high school, did you find yourself having like other interests as far as like, oh man, I can't wait to like go to college like you know did you have that sort of drive or was it like hey i really kind of like to focus on this music stuff well i went to yeah i went to community college for it took me for i, I have my associate's degree um but it took me four years to get it because i went i went full-time for the first year and after that i would like i would go but not take like a full course load and just kind of like take a certain amount of credits and then i took i think it took a total of like two or three semesters off too so yeah, I just I really took my time with it, and I was so close to having my associates that towards like the third year, that I was just like, you know, I might as well just get this so I can have it, you know, because it's gonna be stupid if I have all these credits and don't have anything to show for it. Yeah. So I and I think all I needed was like algebra two or something like that to get my associates. But I started playing in another band, which was the second band I was in, and they were called Counting the Days, and it was just I was playing bass for them because they needed a bass player to go on tour with them. I'll get into that in a second. But they were doing their first tour with me during that math class. And I talked to my teacher and she was cool with me leaving as long as I got 
like a certain grade in the class. So I, I did that like when I was on tour and then I got my associates. And after that, I just stopped going to school. Like I, I always tell myself I want to go back and just like finish the, the other two years that I need to do. But it, Mm-hmm. At the same time, it's like I was just doing gen eds, so I could kind of just go and just do that without having to really think about it. But now it's like if I decided to go back to school, I'd have to like really figure out what I want to do because you're paying all that money and you can't, you know, it's at some point I'm going to go back. But I just really need to figure out what I like really want to do before I invest all that time in it. Yeah, you'd just be spinning your wheels if you went back and you didn't, you know, really mean it. <laughs> right, yeah, for sure. Um, the idea that, you know, I mean, I presume you were just like, you know, working random jobs and stuff like that when you were taking semesters off and everything and just kind of doing band stuff like in between all of that. Yeah, yeah. I worked, uh, do you know Uno's, the pizza, the pizza place? Oh, yeah, I'm familiar. Okay. Uh, yeah, I worked at Uno's for like four or five years when I was younger, just like, especially with touring, they, like my managers were always supportive and cool. So they're like, yeah, like I'd work doubles and just try to make as much money as I could for like uh-huh. a month and then just go on tour for a month and then come home. Going back to the college thing, I was uh, University of Baltimore. It's a college like right in the heart of the city. I actually enrolled to go there, but then after that, that band counting the days I was in, after I had quit that band, they asked me if I wanted to do merch for them in Europe. So I was like, yeah, you know, Okay, I'm not. I'm never gonna go to Europe. I'll I'll do that. So I I just like canceled everything that I set up for college, and and but then they ended up not having enough room for me to go with them to Europe. Also, so I pretty much just didn't go to college, and then didn't go on tour. So I did absolutely nothing. Right. <laughs> that sucked. <laughs> but the uh, well, th- those jobs are always great to have, so that you can yeah, you can like you said, just fund the idea of being like, okay, well, I've saved enough money now, I can go on tour and waste it all. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I don't I don't know. Yeah, pretty much for the past couple of years I've been touring that's pretty much all I've been doing is just working random jobs and going on tour but I've been driving um I drive trucks for a production company now it's technically freelance work but I only work for one company uh-huh. but they're it's like a bunch of musicians and visual guys too so it's cool with me leaving for tour and I always have a job when I come back I mean it has slow seasons but overall that's what I've been doing for the past couple of years which is pretty cool yeah no, that's awesome because yeah it's it gives you the ability to you know be able to obviously do the band and be able to put that together yeah uh, yeah for sure you know, something I always find interesting, too, and like the way that, you know, bands are perceived, um, you know, pianos, for lack of a better term, is a very serious band. <laughs> like, there's nothing. Right. You're not you're not like putting it on. Be like, oh, like, hey, here's a nice Sunday drive. Like, no, this is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. You're investing in, in, in the band and the records and whatever music you're listening to. I just always find it funny because it's like uh, people always presume that the art that the person is creating directly relates to how they are as an individual (laughs) where it's like oh obviously all the guys in pianos like are just just stoic statuesque figures that you know laugh once a year like do 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 people have that impression of you or or is it i mean when i say people i mean like kids that go to shows and like you know if they come up and talk to you they're just like oh wow you're normal or whatever like do you have those sort of interactions I'm glad you brought that up. I don't know. It's strange because, yeah, obviously the subject matter is very, very serious. You know, we we obviously we take our band seriously and we want to write about stuff that matters to us, you know. But, yeah, it's like aside from the band, we are all total idiots. I mean, you've met us, you know. We're all just like we're not not these serious guys. I mean, we can be serious and we are serious about certain things just like anyone, but like overall we're just toads, man. I don't know. Like we're not, we're not these serious guys. We like to have fun, play music because we want to play music and we love doing it. We love going on tour and having fun. I haven't really noticed that shows kids coming up to me and being like, 
oh my God, I, I thought you were going to be like this dick or like so sad. I, I haven't really noticed that. I mean, maybe people aren't coming up to me and talking to me because I think that and I, I just, I'll never know that. Yeah. But yeah. overall, I, I haven't really noticed anything weird. I, people will come up to me and like tell me like extremely like heartfelt, sad, personal stories and it like breaks my heart and that can be, it, it's weird. It's It's like a mixture of like, I'm so grateful that like we wrote something that can help people. But at the same time, it's like, I'm kind of dealing with my own thing. I don't really know. I don't really have any advice for people, you know, I, and I think some people just want somebody to talk to and mm-hmm. somebody to kind of relate to And you know, like I will forever be more than happy to be that guy. You know, it's like, if I helped you awesome, but at the same time, it, it is just like unspoken pressure of like, I'm sorry. I don't really know what, I don't know what to say to you. You know, it's like, I, I can't really, I'm not necessarily the most optimistic guy when it comes to this kind of situation either. So I, I don't want to be like, you know, everything's going to be great. Everything's going to work out. It's, but right. I'm also not going to be like, yeah, life sucks. You know, I, I don't know. It's, I still, I fully haven't really had a handle those kind of situations here. It doesn't happen all the time, but like when you're on tour, yeah. like, every night, you know, you're going to talk to people every night about one thing or another. So I, it, it weighs on me every now and then, but I also like, I never want people to uneasy about coming up and talking to any of us, you know? So, yeah. No, uh, I, weird thing. no, I totally, I, I, I can, I can completely see exactly where you're coming from because it's like, especially when people, I mean, the, the way that, you know, obviously art, entertainment, whatever you like to call it uh, is set up, mm-hmm. you know, it's a one-sided relationship. You know, you, you as a consumer are, you know, listening to something, watching something, experiencing it putting it in your own life, putting it in context at what it means to you. In the case of independent music, you have the accessibility of doing exactly what you're talking about, where it's like, okay, these people that have created this, well, they've taken, you know, I'll get by. Like, they've taken that song and they've been like, okay, Mm. this, it it applies directly to my life. I have all of these, uh, you know, preconceived notions and all these things I want to say to you and spill this all out. And then (laughs) you're expected and not like in a mean way, but you're expected to no, kind no, of yeah, yeah. expected to like kind of clean it up and be kind of like, oh yeah, well because I went through this and like, well this is what I did. Here's some fucking pointers, and it's like, dude, no, I'm like you said, I'm experiencing the same shit as you are, except maybe I'm just older. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is. You know, it's like I don't really, I don't have any like great, like epic piece of advice to give you i just kind of like i mean maybe maybe just the fact that you know somebody else went through the same kind of shit as you maybe that'll help you and that's really all i can offer i mean but also it's not that's what i personally chose to write the lyrics about you know so i can't i can't be upset about people wanting to relate and wanting to talk to me about it because it's like yeah that that is what it's about that's what i wrote it about but at the same time it's like i can't really tell if i sh- if that is my obligation or not you know, like I've talked to friends who are in bands and stuff too, who like, who you're also friends with, it's, it's, they all deal with the same shit. And it's like, there is a line that, that is crossed, you know, it's like, I, I don't know, I don't really know how to put it. It's like, there, yeah, there is a certain obligation that's expected from you, but at the same time, it's not really my fault for it. Does that make sense? I don't know. It's No, I, I, no, I totally agree. And I, I think <clears throat> the way that I've put it in context is the fact that you know you you as a you know like like I said consumer to put it in a, a cold term it's definitely great that you have this experience but you also need to be you know respectful and mindful that whoever you're having this experience with as far as like the person creating it you can't you can't expect them to uh, yeah like I said you know, earlier where it's like you know clean up you know make make you feel better about it like how you feel better is how you consume that product because that's essentially how you've interacted with that person <laughs> and it's right. like having that line uh put up where it's just like okay well i'm 
I'm a human like you, and I experience basically the same things as you do. You know, I can't, I can't offer you solace besides this record that we've put out. Right. And, 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 I mean, that's perfectly said. <laughs> yeah, no, but and, and I think that the, the point that you hit on too, where the idea that to know that there's someone else out there <clears throat> that has experienced that. You know, I mean, for lack of a better term, refreshing. You know, it's like okay, yeah, well, yeah. Like, you're not in this alone. Like whatever, however isolated you may feel, it's not a singular experience. Like you know, like like honestly, it's like in the way yeah, I, I, I joked about the song. You know, I'll get by, but it's like when I first initially heard that, and I put it, you know, in context for obviously the lyrics and you know, you as a person, what you're experiencing, and you know, the mm -hmm. pa the passing of your father. You know, because my my father died. Uh, gosh, it's been uh, four or five years, um, and it well, was I'm like, sorry, man. yeah, I, I mean, it's it's an awful experience because it's like you don't want it's an inevitable experience but you know you yep. don't you know we're, we're i mean i'm 33 you're 29 it's like you know we shouldn't be losing yeah. we shouldn't be losing our fathers that early it, honestly in like in the way that i experienced that song it was like uh it, you know it just it was like oh this is exactly my thoughts and my feelings about the way that things even though our circuit like i'm sure the circumstances of our father's passing are completely different yeah, yeah. not of the same thing there's there's just pull through that that yeah, so, i mean there's a certain emotion that's evoked through it that you can completely relate to right and like i i never in you know i mean partially because i'm a responsible adult i never would have gone up to you and been like kyle like you know jesus christ here's the song like here's every like i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you for a half an hour all of this experience right it, just because i right. i feel if that were to eventually come out like it is now <laughs> i you know we would have had <laughs> It would have made more sense as opposed to just like, all right, I'm going to dump all this shit on you. And there you go, dude. Have a good night. I mean, you know, with that being said, though, it, it is it's similar, but it is different because like you and I, we met for the first time really on that on yeah. that tour. But it's like we kind of knew each other yeah. who each other were, you know, so it would have been a bit different talking because like right. we were in the same situation, just hanging out, talking. You know, it wasn't it wouldn't. So it's a little different than just some random person that back Like, okay, this is what happened to me, you know. But yeah, but yeah, but even with that being said, too, it's like I can't fault somebody for wanting to do that. Yeah. You know? So I always feel kind of guilty about it because, like, I'm on tour. You know, I'm playing these songs every night. I really, I don't really want to talk about them before, or after we play, too. But it's like kind of, I kind of put my myself in that position. So it's really right. I feel like it is my fault, you know. Yeah. Well, and it's it's good that you keep that attitude because I think the moment the moment that you shut that off from your head, where it's just like, oh, like this is too much. I can't handle this. Even though it is, like, for lack of a better term, it is a it is a chore. Um, yeah. You, you still, yeah, you still need to put yourself in that mind frame of like, okay, well, you know, I can I can be there to the best of my ability. Like that's all I can do. Yeah. And I mean, I think honestly, the I, the thing that I always try to do is like, as long as I just I just try to be friendly with everybody and just give everybody. Like, if someone come up and talk to me, I'm not going to go, hey, I'll go and just immediately walk away. You know, like, I'll, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I'm, not, I'm, I don't know. For the most part, I'll always try to just, like, talk to somebody and just, like, not even talk about that. Like, even if somebody tells me something, be like, oh, man, I'm, I'm so sorry to hear that. I will I feel like, in a way, it's almost better to not even try to give advice because I'm just going to fuck it up anyway. So it's just, like, I think maybe just an open ear is the best thing you know, I can offer. Yeah, you know, yeah. Even though it's like it can be draining as hell on tour when the last thing you want to do is hear some sad story, but it's like, I, I don't know, I think in a way it almost, that's what you have to do. All you're simply doing is engaging. You're just like, I, I'm, yeah, yeah. I, I'm here and whatever experience you want to have, hopefully I can provide that for you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> when pianos, you know, started to, you know, tour more regularly, and obviously you guys started to, you know, grow as far as uh, people paying attention to what you were doing, I'm sure there were certain moments where it felt 
I guess for lack of a better term, like real, where it was like, like, oh shit, this thing that we're doing is kind of a kind of a thing. Like people are really gravitating yeah. towards it. Uh, do you ha- do you have any of those early memories that, uh, or it can even be recent memories that you know it really it really just kind of solidified whether it was like you know a random show. It doesn't even have to be like a big event, but just those those moments that you're just like, wow, this is fucking weird. Yeah, um, I think honestly, the first time that we went to Europe and we were, we were just, we were in Europe and people knew our music. That was pretty like, <laughs> humbling for all of us. You know, it's just like, holy shit. Like, where are we? Like, I don't, I don't know anything about anything right now where I am, but right. people are coming up and like know the music. So it's, I think that was like an eye opener. And then, yeah, I think also when we wrote like the lack long after and we started playing those songs live, I think was when, we not just like huge thing, but we started seeing more people like getting into or like gravitating towards the songs, which is pretty cool for us. You know, it's, I mean that's not not why we wrote that record, but mm. like it's cool to like really see people take an interest in it in a way. I think the common thing of what what at least what at least I've taken away from like independent music in general, where it's just like it, you know, regardless of like you know how many people pay attention to you. All you're wanting to inspire is a reaction in the sense of like, I want you to either like fucking love what I'm doing or fucking hate what I'm doing right? because it's like that there, there are so many bands that fall in the middle of, you know, just in the middle where it's like, Oh yeah, they're cool. Like they're a good band. Like they're good at what they do. Like you hear that, you hear that all day, every day. Um, and it's like, it's so, it's sad because it's like those are the those are the bands that will obviously you know in three or four years time will just completely fall off the radar um right and it's like that's why you know uh, that's why obviously is cool with what you guys are doing because the way that i see people interact with you um you know just from a musical standpoint is like this you know this resonates on a, on a deeper level than just like oh dude they got some sick riffs bro like <laughs> <laughs> yeah Totally. Right, which is, I, I'm sure that's like that. That in and of itself is like a, a gratifying thing for you to like, kind of, you know, step back and be like, oh wow. Yeah, it's it's a it's definitely a weird thing. It's it's awesome, but it's also like, okay, so we wrote this record that we're all like happy with, but it, it was a very serious, heavy record, you know. Yeah. Um, for me, obviously, but for everybody involved, I think, and so it is this weird thing where like. Not not that your band is perceived a certain way, but like the the content of it, it's like I don't know. We we've had multiple conversations about this on tour. That like I don't know if writing this record and singing these songs every night and going on tour all the time, like I don't know if that's like I, I mean I I know at first it definitely helped me, you know, because it just like it really got it out. Like my family, my friends, like my band, everyone was so supportive. And just like, I, I know hundred percent it helped me with like the loss of my dad. Um, right. but then like as a couple of years went on, it's like, I still get into those songs every night and it's like, it still means exactly the same, but it's also now I'm like, am I holding on too much now? Like, am I, yeah. the fact that I'm playing these songs and going on tour every night, is that like preventing me from getting on, or, like moving on better than I should be by now, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's definitely, it's a delicate balance. And I think like, I think the fact that I love playing the song so much is like, it's still okay, you know, but I also, I will say I'm excited to write a new record that like touches on a lot of the same subjects, but kind of how I feel now about them. So it's like, I don't know. Yeah. It just this big topic of like, am I really helping myself by playing these songs still? You know, cause I know at one point 
I was, but now is it almost doing more damage than it's good to like rehash it every single night. Every yeah. Song. No, that, I, that, that's a, that's such an important, like such an interesting point. Cause it's like, that's, that's something that isn't that that's like collateral damage, you know, that's like something, yeah. you know, you're the, the people that interact with art can remove themselves from it. They can take off the record, but it's like, because you, right. because you're living it on, you know, six, six to seven months out of the year. Um, you know, that's something, yeah, that, that's interesting. And I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure as, as things progress, like, especially when, you know, you guys start doing another record, then, then it'll start to make sense in the context of like, oh, okay. Yeah. This, this is more harmful than good, or this is positive right. that, I, that I still experience this. Um, right. Yeah. And it, it's also, I, I feel like, guilty is not the word but in a way it's like okay i had this shitty thing happen to me and like my life experience but it's like there's so many other people who have so many shitty things and even more shitty things than that have happened to me so it's but i i've like wrote like i wrote this i wrote these lyrics to this record and that's like kind of what has been latched on to people's ideas of our band i guess that's like what they think of they think of like a family member dying when they think of our band or something like that, you know, which is like, yeah. I almost feel guilty for that in a way that like, I mean, it is what it is. I, I'm not sorry about it, but I'm just kind of like, man, you know, I kind of just, uh, I kind of just put it on this record and that is what it is. Now I can't get rid of it. Right. That, that's the, yeah. It's like, that's the, that's the lasting legacy of, of that. I mean, you know, not to be like grandiose about it, but it's like, that's the, you well, know, no, yeah. yeah, people, people are going to attach that meaning to that record. Um, and that's like, you know, that's something that you would never, it would never have predicted when you were doing it. But then once you're able to have context, like you do now, it's like, Oh wow. Okay. I right. guess, I guess that's how it'll be thought of. Um, right. Yeah, for sure. And it's also like when we were writing it, I told the dudes, I felt weird. Cause it's like, it's, it, I mean, I think vocalists and lyricists should be personal. You should write about your own life. But it was like, so so personal for me you know like losing my father you know that like solely affected me within the band but, and i told the guys i like, i feel almost bad that like you guys wrote this music i think is amazing and i'm just pouring my heart out over it like with this one specific thing over the entire record and they're like no nah, dude like we want you to that's what we wrote it for you to do that and, you know so it's like i think i'll just say the guys in the band were like absolutely fucking incredible and was like just letting me vent and get it all out you know i think like I'll be forever grateful for that. You know, I I right out of phone there's like, God shut up but like it really does like mean so much to me that they're so cool about it, you know. The band isn't a full-time thing as far as like you're making a living off of it, but um, you know how uh, how's it sat with like you know your 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 mom and the rest of your family in regards to like you're you're kind of putting because essentially you're putting your life on pause right now. You're just like okay, I, I have I have this job that you know is, is a means to an end, but it's not like you know the end game. You know, once you started to sort of you know focus on that rather than like oh let's quote unquote start my life. Um, was that right. was that difficult for you know your mom? Your dad was alive when obviously things were happening or starting to happen yeah. for the band. Um, so how did it sit with them? Were they just like, what the fuck are you doing, Kyle? Right. Well, that's, that's funny. Like my mom and dad have always been like, they're always super supportive of what I wanted to do, you know? And I think, it, I mean, of course, as your parent, they're always going to be worried about what you're doing with your life and stuff like that. So like in that, in that regard, they were normal. But I think a lot of it's my mom's fault because we started, we, uh, my mom is Christian and we went to this church called Mount Oak which mm-hmm. is like a big church around the area. And they used to put on shows all the time, like Zayo and like Stave Faker and like Project A6 and all these, all these like heavier, like Christian bands, you know, stuff like that. So that's kind of, that was also an introduction for like 
heavier music for me, and my mom would serve pizza in the back. So <laughs> it's like she would, like, take me to these shows. So honestly, it's kind of her fault that I got so into music, too. Uh-huh. Um, but, yeah, I think she was always, like, worried about me going on tour because she also had, like, the old mentality of, like, oh, you're going to go on tour, and, like, there's going to be so much, like, sex and drugs. But, I mean, n- now she knows it's not like that. But, <laughs> right, but, right. but I, I think at first she was kind of worried about all that, that I was getting so into it. Um, and my dad was just kind of like, his whole mindset was like, as long as I didn't neglect my responsibilities, you know, he was like, you can go on tour as long as you handle your shit, kind of, you know. But then I think when I started getting, like, really good touring more and more, he'd, like, he was stoked because he knew how much I loved it, but I think he was also just like as a like a worried father. He's kind of like, all right, what are you what are you gonna do when it's all over? But I I don't know. I, it's funny not thinking about it, like, man, if I go back and talk to him now, what do you think about it? You know? But it's, yeah, no, that that would be <laughs> yeah, it, when you're trying to put all these things in context for for a parent, where it's like, okay, there's this thing called punk and hardcore, and then on top, <laughs> it's like there's so many layers to unwrap. It's so uh, it's difficult for them to understand it because, like you said, I mean, your your mom's perception where it's just like, okay, well, it's like you know, Guns and Roses and Motley Crue, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's just it's just funny for them to be like, oh, okay, I get what it's like. It's you know, it's six dudes and it terribly smelling van like that's it. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, really. It's like yeah, we're sleeping on floors and we're playing at some like shithole every night and <laughs> doing the same thing the next day. And it's like, why is that even fun? It's like I don't know. It just is. It's the best. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I think now, like, we've been doing it for so long, my mom is like, I, I think she gets excited because she knows how much I still love doing it. And, like, we have been doing, like, better tours in the past couple of years and, like, doing okay. So I think my mom, and I, also I think she knows that I'm not, like, blindly, like, I'm not going to be 40 years old, like, still playing the same shows, you know? I mean, maybe, like, who knows? Maybe we'll never break up. We'll just do stuff here and there whenever we want, you know? Who right. who knows? But, like, she knows that I'm not going to be doing this forever, but... I've pushed it so hard up until this point. I just got to take a little farther and see what we can do. And, and then once we're, once we're done, we're done, you know, and, I, and then everything will be fine. So. Right. You're being, you're being realistic about it. Cause that's like, I, I yeah, think, yeah. I think it's so funny because so many, a, a lot of bands have the, the idea that, you know, they start with like a business plan before they start with anything else. Whereas just like the, yeah. the things that prove to be quote unquote successful are the ones that obviously start in an organic manner rather than like, Oh, like, here we go. Let's do this as a career. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, that's how I started. Like, I mean, honestly, if you would have told me when the band first started, like, late 2006, that we'd still be doing that, I'd be like, okay, maybe, cool, yeah. But now it's like, I'm so stoked that we are, you know? So. Yeah, no, for sure. I want to hit, uh, hit on two last things before I let you go. I, I find it interesting just because, like we were talking about earlier, obviously music being cyclical, and then, like, you know, the, the idea that, especially within the past, you know, five to seven years, uh, you know, bands that obviously are, are peers of yours, um, you know, Touche, a lot of spew, all that stuff. Um, it, it's so, it's so funny to see this, um, this crop of bands that obviously, you know, are, are presenting their music in a very honest fashion and kids obviously gravitate towards it. Is it, uh, you know, is it, is it funny for you to kind of put your band in context of all of that to just be like, this is weird that like we're part of this, this kind of, uh, f- uh, for lack of a better term, collective, like the, the scene that's like, you know, bubbling up and obviously has bubbled up even higher now. Does it, do you got, do you, do you guys talk about it in the band at all? Or is it just kind of one of those things uh, where it's like, eh, it's funny. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's strange. It's, I mean, it's flattering for us to be lumped into like such bands that we respect musically and as people like we're best friends with all those guys, you know? So it is, it's definitely humbling to be a part of it, but it's also just kind of like, like we said, I, we never really like sought out 
that kind of stuff, you know, yeah. like we didn't really try to like, like this whole like resurgence thing or whatever. I think we, everyone, like it's not even my band, like everyone's band. It's just like, I don't really, we didn't set out to try to do a certain thing. We just like started playing music that we liked and then like made friends with other bands that were doing it and then just kept being a band and kept touring and kept doing it. And I think that's, that's honestly how it happened, you know, but I think people are writing powerful records that are important and mean something. And I think that also contributed to it, but it is, yeah, I don't know. It is, it's a strange thing to be kind of lumped into all of it. I mean, I'm, I'm honored. I'm grateful, but it's also not like, I just want to write records that I think are good. <laughs> I mean, it's something that you, you personally couldn't say, but I can say it just as an outside observer where it's like, there's, there's something to be said about obviously being part of a, you know, a musical community and being like all these bands that are, you know, akin to one another. But, you know, on the flip side of it, especially when a band exists for longer than, you know, two or three years, that can be limiting. That can be, a right. the quote unquote ceiling because uh, you know I've I've heard people refer to this and like not in a uh, negative sense but in a, you know like the the warped tour ghetto where it's like right. the, the bands that <laughs> bands that that like the ceiling of what they can accomplish as far as just like a musical uh you know like the the audience that they will play to is warp tour that's like the ceiling you know um which is obvious right. which is obviously a pretty fucking massive ceiling but a ceiling nonetheless and so where it's like you know i could see where you guys are coming from where it's like it's great we're a part of all these bands and all these you know all these things are happening around us but the, you know, not only your band but obviously all the other bands that are in that same uh ilk you know, want to differentiate themselves from one another and not in the fuck you way, but like in a, well, no, we can play, we can play to different people. Right. Yeah, for sure. That's the thing. It's like, we, we talk about this a lot and like, especially now, because we're trying to write a new record. It's like, we're not trying to write a, like a screamo record for lack of a better word. You know, we're just trying to write like a good record. You know, it's like, it's frustrating. It's, I feel like a lot of people who listen to hardcore or listen to certain bands, it's like, you have a certain expectation of what you want them to do. And it's like, after you're in the band for so long, your music, your music, your musical taste changes. You want to listen to different stuff. You want to play different stuff. And that's like normal. You know, I know every band feels like that. So it's like, we don't always listen to like hardcore or screamo or anything like that anymore. A lot of us don't even listen to that kind of stuff that much at all anymore. So it's like, I, I shouldn't say it like that. Cause we still have like appreciation for, it. we still love certain bands, but overall it's like, we listen to a whole bunch of different shit. So it's like, we want to just expand and, I can't really say for me, but I know I'll speak for my band. Like they're all so talented musically and can write like awesome shit, you know, that it's like, we can write other records other than just like heavy, abrasive, screamy records, you know? And I, I mean that, that particularly that's where I'm at right now. I, I just want to write, I want to write what comes naturally, but also like something that I can be proud of at this point in my life. Yeah. Well, and I, I think that, I mean, obviously you can look at the, you can point to the song on, you know, the split you did with Touche, where it's just like the, the there's such a marked difference um, and not in a bad way, not in like, a, oh, we're distancing ourselves from our past, but just like in a, right. oh, this is the next logical step for what we are trying to accomplish. Yeah, yeah, totally. And that, like, I feel we're forever thankful for Touche doing a split with us too, because it's like, I feel like that, I mean, I know Jeremy, Jeremy and I have talked about it multiple times too, just about like we both kind of were happy with that split in a lot of ways, but really for, I feel like it gave us both a chance to kind of like write a weird song and see what we can do, you know, and then like move on from there. So, and, and I'll, yeah, you can kind of hear it because Touche's new record is amazing, you know, so it's like. Right. It's nice to be part of, part of a community for, you know, kind of the, the inception of the band. Um, but then obviously it's like, you know, you want, you want to grow past that just because everybody yeah, you, want, everybody wants to ch- creatively challenge themselves. 
Right. Yeah. You don't want to get trapped in it. You know, it's, I, I mean, like, who, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how some people feel about it, but it's like, who wouldn't want to play? Like, I'm not saying we're trying to like sell out every show. Or I mean, that'd be cool. But it's like, who doesn't want to play to like more people who doesn't want to write a record and like go on tour and like for the little time you can like be successful and like, Hey, play like I can go on tour and play music to like a lot of people. I just, I think that's cool. You know, I don't, I have no problem with doing that. I know a lot of bands are like, oh, I don't, I don't want to play basements forever, which is like, I love playing basements also, but it's like, there's, there's if you can't, if you're being, if you're the same band and you still have the same intentions, I don't see any problem with like doing other things, you know, yeah. I mean, that's a whole nother yeah, conversation, yeah. but yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I, you, you, your point is well taken. And the last thing I want to hit on was the, you know, the idea, obviously, like, you know, you've, we were talking about at the very beginning where, you know, you're, you're married now, you've been in a relationship for quite some time. And like the, um, mm. the perils of being in a relationship that <laughs> you're gone for a majority, you know, well, not a majority, but you know, a decent amount of time and like the, the challenges that that imposes. But obviously since you guys have, you know, lived through it and have decided to commit yourselves for life, obviously I'm sure she's completely and very understanding. Um, mm-hmm. Of because obviously the last thing she wanted to do is be like, hey Kyle, you should quit the band because you need to spend time at home. Um, right. But just the uh, you know the 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 challenges of you know m- like being able to maintain that relationship where you know you feel so foreign when you return back home after tour. You know, I just always remember coming home from tour um, and having my um, now wife but significant other at the time. Uh, she was just like she always gave me like a, a three to four day window of like. Okay, you got to get acclimated to like how to treat me, like oh, you know, just just in these ways of like, oh, you got to integrate back into like the real world, and like you know, you have to think about you know, fucking cleaning your dishes or whatever, just random examples of like normal human behavior that you just forget because you're in a van. Yeah, I, I, you know, I'm sure you have. There's a lot of thoughts you have wrapped up into that of how you obviously have been able to kind of you know make it work for as long as you guys have had. Yeah, like you said, you have to decompress for a while. You know, you're you're not consistent. You're not constantly moving in a van with other dudes. You like you're in one place with one person, um, which is great, you know. But it's just it's different, and it does take a while. Especially like, yeah, like you said, you're on tour for a month, and then you come home, and it's like completely just like standstill, you know. And it, it feels insane. But I will say, Lauren has been like. 100% supportive forever. Like ever, that, I mean, ever since she's known me, she's known that I've wanted to play in a band and like push it really hard. And, you know, I, I, I can't say like, if we started touring like 10 months out of the year straight, we'd buy both of our minds, you know, I don't think I'd want to do that anyways. Yeah. I think like go on tour for a month and then I'm home for a month and then go do something else and come back. It's, it, it really, it is a balancing act, but I think it, overall, like we've, what specifically that we do to make it work, we just do, you know, and she's, She's always cool with it. I mean, it, it sucks for both people. I, I, I won't pretend like it's harder for me because I'm out on tour. You know what I mean? I mean, it sucks for me to be away from her too because I love her. It's like not hanging out and just like doing the normal everyday things you do with your partner, you know? But um, it is harder on her when I'm gone, you know? So it's, I just lost my train of thought again. But yeah, it, I don't know. She, She's very um, independent in a way that like, she, I always joke, she, she is definitely the adult in the relationship. Um, like, we, I don't know, we make it work. Like, it sucks when I'm gone, but when I come home, it's awesome. You know, it's just like every couple on tour, it's like you have, like, those days on tour where you're just, like, set up, it's like, God damn it, like, I just want to see you. Like, this, is, this sucks, this is stupid, this is frustrating. But, like, it, 
overall we we make it work. She's 100% supportive, and I don't know. She she yeah. she can cope, you know. So it's, I'm forever thankful that she's like that. Because if not, I don't know. I don't know what would happen. I I wouldn't be. I probably wouldn't be in the band. You know. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> I, I, love, I do love Lauren more than I love pianos. So. <laughs> right. 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 Well, yeah. You have the comfort of having obviously a support system at home and something something to look forward to when you do come home because it's like it is those experiences of of you know just doing the most random simple shit like running errands together that you yeah, yeah. It, it heightens your appreciation of it. You know, it, whatever the whole absence makes the heart grow fonder. It's a cliche, but right, they're, yeah. they're, I mean, there's, there's truth to it as well. So there's like, truth to that for sure. And so, yeah, it's, it's able to, like I said, you know, you're able to enjoy those experiences maybe a little bit more than you would if it kind of, you know, became a, you know, a routine, which a routine is great, but you know, if you, if you take it for granted, that's obviously when it becomes, you know, yeah, no, definitely. And it's, also, it, it it is like you said. It gives you something to look forward to. Cause like like when I come home from tour, like really, I mean, it's cool to see friends, but like Lauren is the really the only thing I'm excited about. Like, <laughs> right. hanging out. I mean, now it's weird to say my wife. Now it's it's sick. Like I I just want to hang out with my wife. Other than that, it's like being home isn't really all that. You know, it's like cool. I get to go to work and like hang. I mean, it's cool, but like after about a month from like right now, I'm already like man, I'm, I'm excited to write. I'm excited to like go on tour. You know, like so I love being home. But it's also like. If it weren't for Lauren, like, I'm sure I'd get annoyed on tour, but, like, I wouldn't really have a huge reason to, like, stay in Baltimore, you know? But, like, yeah, now that I have a wife, I want to come home and be with my wife. Well, I really appreciate you hanging out, Kyle. This has been fun for me, and I hope you've enjoyed it yeah, in man. some capacity as well. I have. It's cool to just, like, talk and not be asked, like, stupid oh. questions. <laughs> <laughs> so that is that. How about Kyle? Congratulations to him because he recently just got uh, married, and I know we kind of hit on that in the interview. But uh, yeah, a big congrats on that because that is a uh, that is a huge step in someone's life, and it's great when they're able to find that other weird person to be with. Visit TopShelfRecords.com and pre-order the You Blew It record. Visit PropertyOfZach.com. Visit 100wordspodcast.com. The editor for this episode, as always, is the beautiful and handsome. You can be beautiful and handsome, right? Tom Richfield. Mad props to him. And um, until next week, be safe, everybody. Be safe.